the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Alright, so we're looking at living as a spiritual man. Somebody say living as a spiritual man. Life can be lived in different places. On different planes, you can live life as a natural man, you can live life as an ordinary man, but we have been called into a spiritual life, and you will live your life in that level. Somebody say an amen. amen. Okay, our text is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have. Somebody say, I have. Say, I have. Say, I have. The mind of Christ. Now, uh, I'm still processing, but our confession is going to change. And one of the things that will be captured in the new confession is, I have the mind of Christ. Somebody say, I have the mind of Christ. Say, I have the mind of Christ. Alright, he says, for who has known the mind of God, but I have the mind of Christ. Now, verse 1 is where I want us to read together. One go. I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to, to babes in Christ. For, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. For for where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, I, for when and another now, that's it. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here to help me. Thank you that I have clarity in the spirit, clarity of thought, clarity of speech. Thank you that right knowledge Prompt knowledge is my portion. Even as I communicate your living word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright. So, there's a video that you'll be watching. But I just want to briefly recap before we watch the video. And then I'll continue. Amen. We started by looking at three kinds of men in the world. Somebody say three kinds of men in the world. And we said that for these three people, two of them are in church. So, by all... Uh, by all possibility or probability, uh, you are if you are here this morning, you are likely to be in one of those two categories. One is outside the church. The first man we talked about is a natural man. Somebody said a natural man. Uh, the natural man is a man who is outside the church. There are three people. One is a natural man. Two is a spiritual man. Three is a carnal man. And the carnal man, uh, we will get to know 
uh, more about him in this service. But we have the spiritual, somebody say the natural, the spiritual, and the carnal man. Alright, so the natural man, we establish the fact that the natural man is not saved. The natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit of God. And so that's the natural man. He's not born again. He doesn't see the value in church. He doesn't see the value in giving to God. He doesn't see the value in worship. He doesn't see the value in prayer. We talk about monthly fasting and prayer. A natural man doesn't see a need for any of those things. When he wakes up, he has just woken up and he goes about his business like normal. As if nothing really exists. That's a natural man. He lives his life. Those are the people you can hear on radio insulting churches, insulting pastors. You don't join them. You don't clap for them. You don't watch them. You are listening to a natural man. And we talk about the fact that the natural man reminds us of three things. He reminds us that uh, he is a, one is a reminder. He reminds us of who we used to be. The natural man also is somebody we have a relationship with. Either at our work or our place we live. We relate with them. And then we said we have a ministry to the natural man. That for me is the most important thing that we need to know about the natural man. We have a ministry to the natural man. We need to reach out to the natural man with the good news and let them know the price for their stubbornness has already been paid for and they don't need to continue in stubbornness and rebellion towards God. Amen? Okay, so that's what we said about the natural man. We talked about some characteristics about the natural man among which we said the natural man has the nature of sin. Somebody say the nature of sin. The natural man, that is his nature. If he doesn't sin, it's not normal. It's normal to fornicate, it's normal to steal, it's normal to cheat. That is a natural man. He can lie and he doesn't feel anything. That is a natural man. That is his natural state. And so when you are not born again, that's how you are. You do whatever you want to do at whatever time or whoever. Then we said the natural man is a child of the devil. Jesus said you are of your father the devil and the last of your father you will do. He is a child of a devil. He's not born again. We said the natural man is spiritually blind. And a couple of weeks ago, I told you, be careful you don't receive advice from a blind person. If the blind leads the blind, he will lead you into a ditch. So if you are born again, spirit filled, and your close power is someone who is not born again, you are simply in bed with the blind man. That is a natural man. Again, we said the natural man functions with earthly wisdom. His wisdom is earthly. Why should he give? What is the basis of giving? I mean, I've sweated for my money and say I should give it to church. It doesn't make sense. That's a natural man. The natural man says, ah, God just gave you your life. Just live your life and stop worrying yourself about things like going to church and all of those things. That's a natural. He functions with earthly wisdom. If a natural man is married and you insult her as a, a husband, the natural woman who is a wife will look at you in the face and tell you, listen, uh, Sebi Sebi, you cannot insult me. Me too, I have mouth. You say, I say. When you meet two natural people who are married, their marriage is very wonderful. It's very, very wonderful. Amazing things happen there. And unfortunately, there are some of us who are born again who are here today because we don't understand that we are no natural men. We are no longer natural men. We are still living with our spouses as if we are natural men. The husband insults you for in anger and then you retaliate in the greater anger. That is a natural man living. That shall not be your experience. Then we said the natural man is controlled by demons. I was talking about the fact that there are ladies that can uh, hang out, not even ladies. There, were, there was a guy I used to know. He, in, in a day, he has to uh, sleep with about three or four guests in a day. One guy. And in the course of the week, I was chatting with somebody and he told me that people who can even do more than that in a day. 
Yeah, they can do more than that in a day. I don't know how, how many husbands go three times in a day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But some people have capacity to go six times, seven times a day. That's not natural. Ten times. No. It's, you have to be empowered by demonic forces to be able to do that. You need energy. It's not a uh, glucose will not do that. Red Bull will not do that. There is a certain divine energy that empowers you to do that. Praise God. And when you understand that the natural man is controlled by demons, you don't, you don't fight him. Most of us, we just insult your, your, your child maybe or a family member is in the natural way and you are just insulting the person. Insulting the person will not change the person. He's not working with his natural eye. He's blinded in the spiritual and his spirit is dominated, ruled by demonic forces. And then, of course, we said the natural man, the worst part of it all is that natural man is dead. He's dead spiritually and he shall die eternally if he does not uh, open up and yield to Christ. Praise God. Now, in this service, we are going to look at the next man, who is the carnal man. But before we do that, I want you to watch a video. In the course of the week, I was def- uh, reflecting and meditating on getting some illustration to help you appreciate what I was going to do. And thankfully, I just chanced on a video from my Joy or Joy News about a very pathetic story that image can be a bit disturbing so just try and if you have a difficulty just take your eyes off but follow the story amen and it is a very painful experience that the family has gone through a very painful experience that a human being has gone through uh, not through any fault of his but it is very the lessons are very very similar to what we are going to be doing this morning in the service so in the next few minutes the the media people uh, let it grow and then I'll come back and continue. We're looking at what happens. If you, you look at the story, it says uh, the boy who refused to what? How many of you saw that headline? The boy who refused to grow. The boy who refused to grow. And you can see that from the lesson or from the video, when that boy refused to grow or couldn't grow, it, it brought a lot of challenges. How many of you can imagine a number of the challenges? I mean, you, you heard some of them. You heard some of them, and I don't have the time to go back to all of it, but you could see that he couldn't help himself. Everything he needed to be helped, somebody needed to, 18-year-old being fed, 18-year-old being uh, bathed, and all kinds of things. If you leave him to himself, he will self-destruct. And that is what we see, what, what happens when a child refuses to grow. You see that not only was he problematic to himself, but he was also problematic to the parents. The mother was narrating it. At a certain point, she was sobbing. And you saw it. And that is what happens. When uh, a child refuses to grow, it is not a cheap thing to look at at all. Praise God. The mother was affected. I'm sure the immediate family will also be affected. How many of you agree with me the immediate family will be affected? Anybody who is part of a family. I mean, anytime the woman really wants to step out, she has to hand over to someone. She said she's not able to sell. She's not able to do business. All because this child. That's the parent. And then family members are affected. And I'm sure that uh, the people in Peki as a, as a community will also be affected. Nobody knows what this child could rise up to become. He could have become an MP for the community one day. He could possibly rise up to become the DC for the area or something. But all of that, he's been robbed. Ghana has been robbed of such a potential. He could become our president someday. Nobody knows. But he's been robbed because he could not grow or he did not grow. 
Praise God. Now, when a believer refuses to grow, I want you to understand this. When a believer refuses to grow, he becomes problematic to himself, to God, the church, and the world at large. Are you following what I'm teaching? When a believer refuses to grow, that what we saw in the life of the child naturally happens in the life of a believer. That is the case we are considering in our teaching this morning, considering the story of the carnal man. There are some of us that we looked at the story and we are shocked and we are, we are feel, feeling sorry for him. But you see, if you happen to also be in that same state spiritually, you should equally be feeling sorry for yourself. But in your case, uh, it's not a spinal condition which cannot be repaired. There's a spiritual antidote. Are you hearing what I'm teaching this morning? So your case is not a hopeless case. In as much as it's a bad case, there is great hope for you. Somebody say an amen. amen. I want you to follow closely because I'm going to use this. We are playing the video only once and that's what we've done. Next week, I'll have to continue in that light and I'll make references to it. So I want you to really follow the foundation I'm laying. I need to get to a certain point today so that I'll be ready for next week. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, the Amplified Version. Verse 2 and 3, please. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for you were not yet strong enough to be ready for it. But even you are not strong enough to be ready for it. For you are still what? You are still controlled by the sinful. For as long as there is, uh-huh, uh-huh. Praise God. Praise the Lord. When you start from verse 1, verse 1 gives us an understanding. He says, the King James Version, he said, I, brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as unto Canaan, even as babes in Christ. Take note. He calls them two things. He says, they are brethren and they are babes in Christ. Somebody say they are brethren. You see, the fact that this child had this abnormality does not mean that he does not belong to a family. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have a father. He has a father, he has a mother. This is somebody's legitimate child. And when we come to see the carnal man, we see that the carnal man is different in many ways from the natural man. We looked at the natural man and we said the natural man is a child of the devil. Maybe I need to let you know this morning that when we talk about the carnal man, there are some basic facts you also need to know about the carnal man. The carnal man is saved and born again. Somebody say saved and born again. The carnal man is saved and born again. So that's one of the first things I need you to know. The carnal man is saved and born again. He's bound for heaven. If a carnal man dies today, he's on his way to heaven. You need to appreciate that. That is the truth of scripture. Number two, the carnal man behaves and acts in many ways like a baby Christian and the natural man does. The carnal man behaves in many ways like a baby or a natural. He said, I have filled you with milk. And not with strong meat because you cannot handle it. You are, you are a baby, so that's what I need to give you. And when you look at the things that they were talking about, he says uh, there is envy, there is strife, there is discord, there is confusion. Now, that is just a session, a small segment of it. There were many things that manifested in the Corinthian church by way of carnality. And we'll be exploring 
all of such in this service. And then, number three, the carnal men may, may demonstrate spiritual gifts and yet be empty in spiritual food. Now, hear me and hear me well. You see, sometimes when we come to church and we have problems with people, we feel that there is a problem with the church or the person is some way or some, the person is somewhat different from us. It's because we fail to understand the various groups of people in church. So, when you understand that in the church, not everybody has grown to the status of a spiritual man or a matured person, you will be more careful the way you make judgment. I know people who make judgment about churches that do not ref- or that does not truly reflect the state of the church. And it's because of some of these things they see. When you go to the church of Corinth, there is no church that was as gifted as the church of Corinth. Now, maybe as you say this, it will help you. In this month, while this series is on, I want to encourage you to study the book of 1 Corinthians. Just make it your quiet time only, every day. For until I'm done with the series, don't go anywhere. Just study it. It will help you. You see, what, what in the long term I'll be doing among many things. Sometimes I'll pick a book and we'll walk you through the book. Because most of us, are, we are carrying the book of life, but there's no life in us. We are carrying the book of health, but we are working with sickness and disease. We are carrying the book that empowers us, gives us victory over sin, fear, and death. And yet we are living enslaved and bound to all of these elements. Why? Because we have failed to open the book. Turn to your neighbor and say, open the book. Uh So uh, what, what, what I'm doing with this series is to help you open the book. Pick up your Bible and read it for yourself. And you'll be able to appreciate the truth of scripture. I mean... Uh, since the Holy Ghost began to take me on this path, I have just, I have always been reading the book and the New Testament for some years now. I've just been staying with that. And since this series dropped in my spirit, I went to the book again. I was telling Pastor Samuel, it's amazing the things I am seeing and discovering. So when we talk about carnality, what is it? I'm looking at two things this morning. The definition and the diagnosis. The definition and the diagnosis. That is to be... Uh, uh, flow with the medical people. The definition and the diagnosis. When we talk about a carnal person, the can to be carnal is to be fleshly or sensual. Somebody say carnal. Uh-huh. To be carnal is to be fleshly or sensual. The Bible says in the book of Romans 5 verse 8, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live in the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But because the carnal man is an enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can he be. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Somebody say, to be carnal is to be fleshly, is to be worldly. Aha, uh-huh, that's it. You are in Christ and you are supposed to be godly. But you see, you can allow yourself, you are in Christ. Though you are in Christ, you can allow yourself to become worldly. And that's what we saw in the church of Corinth. You see, the difference between the carnal man and the natural man is that the natural man does not have the spirit. He doesn't have the spirit. But the carnal Christian has the Holy Spirit living in him. That's the difference. You see, the reason why the, the carnal man is bound and have a secured place is because he has the Holy Spirit in him. He cannot go to any extreme. The spirit of God will always bring him. That's his defense. That's what the Holy Spirit... I've heard people say wild things that the Holy Spirit cannot live in a sinful Christian. If the Holy Spirit departs from you, you are gone. 
In fact, the Holy Spirit is given to be with even the sinner. He's with the sinner to convict him of sin. And he's with the, uh, the believer. He lives in him to convict him that he's the righteousness of God in Christ. Can somebody give me an amen? When you understand that, you see, no matter what you do, when you know who you are, you see, you can fall into a ditch, a mud. But when you get up, you know that you are not a pig. You are a human being. And so you quickly go take a shower and you begin to walk like a natural human being. Am I communicating somebody else? That's very, very important. These are fundamentals you must understand. Some of us have been living with condemnation for a long time. And Satan has succeeded in keeping us from living the life of victory we have in Christ because we've been living in the bondage of condemnation. And we live in condemnation. We don't feel that we can amount. Sometimes we come to God's presence and we are not expressive. We are not ourselves because we are overwhelmed with negative feelings from the devil about yourself because you don't know who you are. So that's a major difference. In fact, Jude 1.19, he said, These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. That's a natural man. He's a sensual man. He has not got the Holy Spirit. So he's different completely from the believer. He's sensual. The carnal man is sensual, but he has the spirit. Why? Because Romans chapter 8, verse 9, Romans 8, 9, the Bible says, For we are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of Christ dwells in you. Now he says something that is very significant. He said, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Somebody say, I have the spirit of Christ. And so I belong to God. Say, I have the spirit of Christ. I belong to God. In the book of Ephesians, he said, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You belong to God. You are sealed. You are a property. You see, the word sealed means that you are being stamped unto God. You, it's like, it's written on you, God's property. Touch it not. Now, when you can understand that, no matter where you find yourself, Satan cannot take advantage of you. I don't walk in fear of demons and witches and occultists because I know I bear the mark. I am sealed unto God. I belong to God. Everything I have belongs to God. My car belongs to God. My wife belongs to God. My children belong. Everything that is around me is sealed. Somebody say, I'm sealed. You are blood-bought and you are sealed. The challenge with the carnal man is this. The carnal Christian has too much of God in himself to enjoy the world and too much of the world in himself to enjoy God. The Kanama has too much of God in himself to enjoy the world and too much of the world in him to enjoy God. There is no, I've never met any Kana Christian who is happy. You're always unhappy. You are not able to walk. You see, you are not able to live the kingdom life. He said, for the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You are not able to walk and exude the joy you need to exude. And that is the liberty God is bringing you through this message. Somebody shout an amen. amen. Shout a believing amen. amen. Don't put on your traditional Old Testament glasses. <laughs> Praise God. Open up your heart to receive truth. The Bible said you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Some of us may even be quick to judge some other people. But the word of God that is coming your way in itself must be correcting you yourself. So that's a brief definition of the carnal man. Now, we want to look at diagnosis of the carnal man. And we'll touch on a couple of things, about seven things briefly. And we'll work them as the series goes along. 
the carnality in the Corinthian church manifested itself in a number of ways. One of the first ways it manifested itself, and I think predominantly, that was what we saw. It was an identity crisis. Somebody say identity crisis. The carnal Christian suffers identity crisis. This is where we see it. The Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, if any man be in crisis, what? Talk to me. If any man is in crisis, what? Somebody say, I'm a new creation. You see, when you are in Christ, you are not your old self. Crusty, deterred, fire jumper, as I used to be called in secondary school many years ago. That is my old self. In my new identity, I'm a new creation. Somebody say, I'm a new creation. Say, I'm a new creation. Yeah, so this is the reality of the Kanama, but he doesn't know it. Either he doesn't know it or he's not walking in the consciousness of the same. Now look at that. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. That's where we see the carnal man who he was. First Corinthians, the Bible said, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and sustenance our brother. Verse 2. Let's see. To the church. Let's read. Which is at to those who are called to be Let's take that part again. To those who are sanctified, those who will be sanctified, those who have been sanctified. He said those who are sanctified, past, present, perfect. It's been done. You've been sanctified. That's why you are called saints. You are set apart unto God. That's the kind of, he's, that, that, that's what we are seeing there. That was the reality for these people, but they didn't know it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. He said, but of him, somebody say of him. But of him are ye in Christ. Somebody say I'm in Christ. In Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us, what? Wisdom, sanctification, and redemption. Somebody shout an amen. Now, 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 you see. I understand why you are not feeling the excitement because you've not fully understood and followed what I'm teaching. But look here. He said, but of him are ye in Christ. Where are you? Where are you now? Good. He said, of him are you in Christ. Who is made of God? You are in Christ. And Christ is made of God unto us. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. This is what he's saying. He's saying that now that you are in Christ, Jesus is your wisdom. What he's saying, so that's why you can never say I'm a foolish person. You can never say I don't know what to do. You, can, you should not be saying I'm confused. Why? Because if you have the mind of Christ, you cannot be confused. Am I communicating at all? Why? That's why you should not say I, I don't know. I don't know how I can be free. You have already been set free. You have been redeemed. And so, you don't have to continue to battle that addiction. When you come to a realization and you understand this, your battle over every addiction shall be broken. Am I communicating here? No matter how many times you go there or you fall into it, you drink alcohol, you finish it. If you have a bottle of Guinness, finish it. When you finish, I want you to know that once you are born again, you have been redeemed, you have been free. What the life you are living is not the life you are supposed to live. It's because you don't know it. I'm not communicating here. I'm not communicating at all. Now, you see, when we understand this, we will not be quick to condemn people. Understand that. This man is, he said, Christ is made unto us. He's made unto everybody 
The one who is not addicted to alcohol, Christ has been made unto him righteousness. The one who is addicted to alcohol, Christ has been made unto him righteousness. Am I communicating here? These guys were saints living like sinners. They were saints who were living like sinners. That's the first thing. So the first challenge they had, the carnality manifested in their lack of understanding about their new status. Now see that with me. Give me that point, number one. Their lack of understanding about their new status in Christ and the practical implications of the same. There are a number of practical books. In fact, most of the New Testament letters are all practical. But the most practical among them all, you'll find the book of 1 Corinthians. It's, it's so practical. So, so practical. You will see the realities of people who are supposed to be going left who are going right. It's, it's so, so practical. It's, it's insightful reading the book. So read a book. Turn to your name and say, read a book. Uh-huh. When you read it, and it's like uh, going for a lecture which you, you didn't read. You were given a reading assignment, you didn't read it. Next week, when you read this book and you come, every week when we meet, when you read it before we meet, you will appreciate it better. So their carnality manifested, one, in their lack of understanding about their new status in Christ and the practical implications of the same. When you read the book of Ephesians, Ephesians tells you who you are in Christ. And then he tells you how you ought to live by reason of your knowledge of who you are in Christ. You see, in most, if I've, I've read uh, the, the uh, New Testament letters and you see that repeatedly, almost all of them, they will always point you to your identity before they tell you what to do. Unfortunately, in the church, when somebody comes to church, immediately we want to tell them 10 things they should do rather than showing them who they have become. That's why we are having difficulties in church. So we give rules to people without letting them know how they can keep the rules. Am I communicating or talking to somebody? Somebody comes to church, somebody gets born again and comes with short skirt. Immediately, also of mommy, if she is not informed, is going to call her. Immediately, the person goes and is never coming back. Because carnal people, babies in Christ, the moment you give them a sharp rebuke like that, they go, they never come back. We've lost a precious soul because of your lack of knowledge. Am I communicating here? Understand this. Our church is reborn. Somebody say reborn. <laughs> and I am just setting the stage for you to appreciate the, the kind of church you are in now and what we preach and practice. So these things must reflect in the way we handle and deal with people. If you're a church worker, a church leader, that's how you, you are perspective. Even before we came under this dispensation where God brought us, there were things we were practicing. Some people didn't understand. Somebody messes up, he gets pregnant out of wedlock, and then we assist the person to get married. They say, ah, we are, we are, we are doing something that is wrong. We should reject the people and let them decide. When I think about it, even to my natural logical sense, it doesn't make sense. Somebody who has taken seed, probably the gentleman has even refused responsibility. She's mentally already tortured. Then when she comes to tell me as a pastor, then I now begin to let her know how God is also angry, how God is going to kill her. The moment she leaves my presence, she will just go and commit suicide. And there are a lot of people we have killed through our foolishness and lack of biblical understanding because of these things. Praise the Lord. 
So please, open up. There is a way. There is nobody who has had a challenge like that yet who has not been helped. We help people. And we help them in a biblical way. And we'll come to see it. How spiritual people handle issues. If you want to know how a spiritual man lives, you will see it in this book. If you know how... Now, number two, their their carnality manifested in their high regard and strong leaning towards human wisdom. Strong leaning towards human wisdom. If you are looking for a place where people valued human wisdom above everything else, it was the church of Corinth. They valued human wisdom. I mean, from verse uh, 18, chapter 1, verse 18, all the way to verse 29, you will see it again. Let's read a few of them. For the message of the cross is, 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 the message of the cross is foolishness to, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, do you remember we said the natural man functions in natural wisdom? That's what the Bible says. When we preach, they say we are, we are disturbing them. They do it to your master. They, they, they rubbish spiritual things. Now go to verse 19. He says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. This Corinthian church people felt they were wise. He said, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this? The wisdom of this? Now go to 21. For since in the wisdom of the word, the word to the, the wisdom did not know God. It pleased God. He said it pleased God. Go to verse 22. Through the foolishness of preaching. He says it pleased God. Somebody say it pleased God. It pleased God because of it. Now come to verse 25. Because 22. For the Jews require a son. And then the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called Christ, to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ and the wisdom of God. Now in this church, you had Jews and you had Greeks. Alright? The Greeks, their emphasis was on wisdom. So wisdom was important. You have to be, go to school. You have to get a PhD. You have to. That that was their emphasis. And when it comes to the Jews, they want power. I think the Jews were more like uh, Africans. We want to see signs. We want to see all kinds of things. When you come, you, they want you to do something hoodious for them to believe. That was. But when you met a Greek, you needed to engage them intellectually. You have to speak to them. They are like lawyers. Every sentence is marked. If a Greek sat in this service this morning, he would be marking my tenses. Everything I say matters. What do I mean? On what basis? What is the authority? That's it. That was what is happening. But he said, all of these things are rubbish. But look at verse 25. Oh, oh, let's read it together. So sweet. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God. Verse 26. Let's read it together. One go. For you see your calling. Oh, that Bohanda son. Pali Gaboshanda Dabahados. But God has chosen the foolish. And God has chosen the weak. Mm-hmm. And the base things. And the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not. 
that no flesh will glory in his presence. Somebody say an amen. amen. That's why your wisdom does not matter. Your scholarship does not matter with God. Because God, you don't come and stand before God and tell him about, he's not impressed with your CV. Oh, I want to have that. I have a PhD in Yale. It doesn't impress God at all. If you are not born again, your spirit is not in union with him. You don't. Paul said, when I came to you, in chapter 2, I did not come with the excellency of speech or that of wisdom, but I came in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Somebody say an amen. These, that, this church, it was wisdom by us. They, they, they valued human wisdom. And there are a lot of people in church, they value human wisdom. Why don't you give? Because somebody schooled you on TV and told you pastors are taking your money. You see, you value human wisdom. Value human wisdom. You have more appreciation for human wisdom than the wisdom of God. The Bible said, even as he said, it is, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's what Jesus said. But you can't appreciate that because you value human wisdom. Why is it that when we call for prayer, you don't come? Because you think you have the connections already. You need to succeed. You are relying on human wisdom. And one of these days you'll be shocked. There are people who when spiritual meetings are called, they can absent themselves because they have a human natural appointment to keep. Human wisdom. Human wisdom. There are people when uh, they, they, have, they have something to undertake for God and a human being, they so regard, steps in. That is enough to stop them. Human wisdom. Human wisdom. That is one of the things. One, they didn't know their, their identity and how to reflect the same. Two, emphasis on human wisdom. Number three, strong party spirit which resulted in envy, strife, division, and disunity. If you wanted a church where there was disunity and confusion, it was a church. Fully confused. There is no, I mean, if it's praise and worship time, while the praise and worship leader is singing, somebody is prophesying from a corner there. Yeah. He wants to take the microphone. Like I've started preaching now and you are supposed to be focused. Somebody will just rise up. I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm not joking. That was the spirit. That was the natural atmosphere in that in that church. Party spirit. Now, the party spirit manifested it. When you look here, Paul started the letter from verse 1. He said, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. 1 Corinthians 1.10. You speak the same thing. You see, what I'm teaching you, we don't rush it. I'm trying to rush this thing, but we don't rush it at all. Because they are fundamentals of your faith. He said, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing and that there be no what divisions among you, that you may be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Verse 11. For it has been declared unto me concerning the brethren of the, those in the household of Chloe that there are contentions, strife among you. And he says, verse 12, Nay, I say that each of you say, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. He said, this is what you are doing. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Praise God. When you come to church, who is your motivator? Pastor Pei. So when you come and he's not in church, you don't feel God in the church. You are very carnal. That's who you are. Very carnal. You come to church and it's Pastor Fokwa. Ah, today who is preaching? They say Pastor Fokwa. Oh, then I'll be in church. Next week who is preaching? They say Mommy. Oh, Mommy. 
and the moment yeah, I'm not going. That, that's a carnal Christian. That's a carnal Christian. You know where a carnal Christian is? You see, most of the fake things you have in your imagination about carnality, that's not what the Bible sees as carnal. That's not what the Bible sees as carnal. You think somebody in a short skirt is carnal? Oh, <laughs> wait until we come to deal with your heart. That envy in your heart, it makes you carnal. That envy, that gossiping spirit that is creating confusion in the church, trying to destabilize people. You go here, you say this, you come here, you say that. That's a manifestation of carnality. So listen, before you judge that somebody has fornicated, he's going to hell. Your, that gossiping, if that was what is going to take somebody to hell, then you're on your way already there. Praise the Lord. Carnality. Save people. But division. 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 That's what happened. Division. They were division everywhere. When they come to look at Paul was speaking in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 17 to 22. The division, he discussed division from chapter 1 all the way to almost towards there. He said now in giving these instructions I do not praise you since you come together not for better but for worse. When we come together it's always must be for our better. When you come to church, it's for better. When you understand that being in the presence of God is for your good, you won't joke with church. Say, as for me, I go to church only on Sundays. That's why your life is showing a Sunday, Sunday Christian. When you come together, it's for your better. But, when you come together and you don't do what you are supposed to do, it can also be for your worst. That's what he's saying there. He said, you come and you practice this party spirit, this division. You are, you are just disturbing yourself. Look at verse 20, 18. First of all, I hear, when you come together, I hear that there are divisions among you and in part, I believe it. Verse 19, there are divisions. For there must also be fashions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Divisions. Yeah. So when you come to church, doctors meet doctors. Carnality. Even in church, you want to do holy child uh, old students. You are carnal. Lawyers Association, Kana. That's who you are. You don't flow with people who are artisans in the church. Sister, may I tell you that you are very Kana? Very, very Kana. Thank God for your doctorate degree. Thank God for your medicine you are practicing. Thank God for your legal office and all of those things. But listen, when we come here, we don't come here with all of those accolades. The Bible says we are of the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. Am I teaching to somebody at all? Understand this. That's why I said in Christ Jesus there is neither Greek nor Jew. We don't come to church and say fanties, uh, airways. Stop that fact. That's not what happens in church. When we come to Jesus, is Jesus exalted from beginning? Jesus exalted to the end. That is all. He said, when I came, I didn't preach anything except Christ and him crucified. So when we come and we are saying anything other than Christ, we're wasting our time. Follow what I'm teaching closely. Carnality. That's, that's manifestation of carnality. And then, of course, number four, lose morality and high tolerance for sin in the church lose morality. They were just living loose lives. These guys, oh, these carnal Christians were amazing. There, there was a gentleman in the church who was sleeping and living with his father's wife. And everybody in the church, including the pastor, knew it and he didn't do anything about it. He said, no, that is wrong. That is wrong. That must not happen. He said, what we are practicing, even unbelievers don't do it. But you see, when it came to this one, 
And usually, I know, when I say that, some people are opening their eyes, and it's good you open your eyes. It's very important. Now, listen. There was this gentleman, Apostle Paul gives two instructions. This concerning this guy, he says, remove from fellowship. But when you read Galatians, he says, restore into fellowship. So, there, there is what to remove and there is what to restore. And I will show you the difference. When somebody uh, gets into fornication and takes seed, that is not uh, remove. It's not remove. Because removing the person is terminating the person's life and the destiny of the child. Yeah. That, that, that one, if, if you don't leave from here, if you, let's say we know that somebody in the choir has done something and then the choir people get to know it and there are no gossips in the choir to spread the matter, nobody may even know it. Am I communicating here? Nobody may even know it. But you will come to church and the sister has come to church that you go now, you hear the matter and now you are carrying it on social media. You are the one who is actually advertising the thing. Praise God. But there are things when they are done within a certain atmosphere, it brings uh, uh, domination and shame to the reproach of the, the name of Christ openly. And he says, when that happens, let us take action. I'm not communicating here. He said, there is what? He said, he said, he said if you see uh, uh, dear brethren, if anybody be overtaken for those of you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Most of the time, when, don't you see that when somebody falls into sin, immediately all of us will become self-righteous. Oh, your self-righteousness begins to come. How can you do that? You are being stupid because you don't know that you could have done that yourself. When the carnality in you also springs up, you may do worse things. The Bible said, restore him in the spirit of meekness. So that's what we restore, that's what we remove. Lose morals. That's what they were doing. Number five, wedly approach in resolving, wedly approach in resolving conflicts and disputes among themselves. Uh, what I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm almost walking you through the book. <laughs> wedly approach. If you go and collect money, if you are in the church of Corinth and somebody came to you, maybe let's say, Kwaku, you need some money and then you are trapped and you meet Pastor James and you go to Pastor James, Pastor James, I need to get some help. And then he gives you maybe 1,000, you are expected to maybe return it in two weeks or in one month time. That one month passes and then uh, you don't return it. By the time we realize, Pastor James has gone to one Lord chamber and they have served you already. Yeah, that's, to take your seat. That, that's, that, that is a typical case. He, he may not even come to you and tell you the time is up. He will just take the matter up. <laughs> he will just take the matter up and go to court. And instead of you hearing from Pastor James through a phone call, a court bailiff will come to you with your sermons. He say, from where? He say, from uh, Brother James. That's what they were doing in the church of Corinth. The Bible says, when you go, take time and read it. He said, why do you take one another to court? Why do you? When you are a carnal Christian, your pastors cannot solve your problem. Your pastors cannot solve your problem. If there's a problem between you and your wife, your pastors cannot solve it. You know, there are some people, I don't cancel them because they will not take it. You, pastors, there are couples who tell themselves, as for our matter, I don't want it to go before pastor. And they are creating tension. The marriage is almost dissolving. But it's been told and warned by the husband. Now listen, ladies, anybody who keeps you in a, a place where you are not free to express yourself, 
and give you warnings. That's an abusive relationship. And even under our laws, it's wrong. Under our legal laws, it's wrong. And scripturally, you see, so when Satan wants to destroy somebody, he isolates him. He isolates him. I mean, we are, we are not saying that just carry every matter of uh, chop money and bring to your pastor. We don't have that time. That's not what we are saying. We expect that you are growing and you are becoming mature. But you see, what he's saying is that before a matter that involves two spirit-filled believers goes to those who are not born again, it, it, that should not happen. It, that should not happen at all. At all. It should not happen under any circumstance. But when you are not spiritual, when you meet your pastor, your pastor will give you a spiritual uh, solution. Your wife slapped you as a husband. It's not supposed to be. And you meet pastor. Pastor says, forgive and continue. Ah, you see, if you left it with pastor, it would have been okay. But you went to the office and you discussed it with natural men, dead men, blind men, spiritually inactive men. And then they told you, ah, you, as you are sitting here like this, so you are managing this office with the slabs of a woman, eh? We didn't know, I didn't know you were this weak. Oh, Charlie, you, you, you shocked me, self. So by the time they finish with you, your self has come. <laughs> this girl, when I meet her at home today, I will show her I'm the man of the house. And by the time you go showing her you are the man of the house, by the time you finish, the marriage is over. That's when your matter now begins to get settled in the court of law. You see, that's why when we are telling you when you are not married and we tell you don't marry somebody who is not born again, it's because of these things. Because our matters are not for those who are not here. And if the person is not born again, when the matter comes, the first place he thinks about is court because he's operating with worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom tells him that when you take to court, that's worldly wisdom. Am I communicating? That's all he's thinking about. Worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom. Give me a few minutes, let me close. Number six is irresponsible use of their liberty. Irresponsible use of their liberty. First Corinthians chapter 8 and spend time on that. Now some of them, I'll come back to them So Irresponsible use of their liberty. These guys were free. And they were telling, oh, we are free. Now that we are, we are redeemed, we are free. Somebody say, I'm free. Yeah, the price for my uh, bondage has been paid. That's what it means to be redeemed. To be redeemed means to be released from your debt. To be freed the price for your bondage has been paid. So now you are free. And he says, now I'm free. I can do whatever I like. But when you read Apostle Paul, he says, I'm a bond servant of Christ. He's freed from the law, but he's a slave to Christ. When you are spiritual, you don't see yourself as a free man. You are a free man, but you are a servant and a slave of Christ. You are not your own. So he told them, listen, he said, do not defile your body. Your temple is the Holy Ghost. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Am I communicating somebody here? That's what he's telling them. He said, know who you are. You've been bought. You are freed. He paid the price for you. So you cannot go on living. These guys did not care about whatever they did. When you are a spiritual man, you don't just live for yourself. You live. When you are in a relationship and you have not married and you are dating each other, the girl does not come and sleep in your house if you're a spiritual man. Because you know that when the people are around, they see it. And somebody is born again there. And it's a young Christian, he also sees that it can affect him. When we are fasting, 
a spiritual man will not go and sit in front down there and be eating when we are fasting. Say, as for me, even when I when I eat, that's when my energy for prayer comes. It doesn't matter. Let's not mind, Pastor. And listen, see them. They have even eaten themselves. Let me eat open. Listen, they don't do that. When you're a spiritual man, you may want to do that, and you may have a reason to do that, but you don't do it in such a way that it becomes a burden or an impediment for somebody. That's a spiritual man. We will get that. Number seven. You're enjoying the work, right? Number seven, their failure to walk in love toward one another. Hey, there was no love here. In fact, First Corinthians 14, verse 1, this church didn't know love. They knew gifts, prophecies. Hey! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sharp prophecies. <laughs> when it comes to tongues, the loudest is more than the hearts of folk and kotoko. The shouts of jubilation. Tongues. I mean, they spoke in tongues. That's the natural order in the day. But there was no love. So, in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, though I have the gift of tongues, I speak with prophecy and I have no love. The prophet me nothing. There was no love in, in the Corinthian church. No love at all. So he talks to them about the need. He speaks to them about spiritual gifts. In chapter 12, in chapter 13, he talks to them about love. And then in chapter 14, before he now begins to talk again about spiritual gifts, he said, pursue love. What are you pursuing? Some of you are pursuing just money. You are just pursuing money. So when a brother collects your money and doesn't bring it back, you will disturb him until he leaves church. You are not pursuing love. You are pursuing money. You are pursuing money. You are, that's what you are pursuing. It's, it's your top priority. Some of you are pursuing your pride and faith. So when you come to church and a message is preached and you are rebuked or you do something as a worker in the church and you are rebuked, you feel your pride has been insulted. You are no longer coming to church. You know you are pursuing your personal agenda and pride and you are not flowing with the spirit of love. Pursue what? Love. Somebody say pursue love. Because, because when you come to First Corinthians, he tells you what love does. Love is not proud. Love is humble. Love is, love is not selfish. What is the cause of division? There, there was division in the church. What was causing it? Selfishness. That was the natural thing that was going on. They didn't have regard for one another. Love does not behave itself in an, in an unseemly manner. Number eight, let me close. Lack of reverence for God and fellow members in the church, which was evidenced by their disorderliness during church services. One of the things I hate, and I, I use the word hate carefully, is disorderliness. I don't like it at all. Disorderliness. And I used to think I had a problem until I realized that God also hates it. Disorderliness. Disorderliness. God hates it in such a way that even from the beginning until order came, God could not work. God, almighty God could not work until there was order. There was order. When you, uh, you are in leadership and you take decisions that is supposed to bring order, immediately you see that people rebel. Do you see that? The moment they release police on the streets now to help with this COVID thing that they are doing, immediately, that's when uh, uh, human rights people will now have a voice. While people are catching or whatever, they don't see it. But the moment you take steps, look what this uh, minister Kote is doing. Amazing. I pray we have more of his type in Ghana. Because last week I told you something. I, I pray we have more of his kind. The guy is doing amazing things. And if you got somebody like this to lead a crowd for the next 10 years, 
you will not be uh, be in the uh, American embassy wanting to go to America. America will come to Accra because it is order. But when you come to the Church of Corinth, carnality, they didn't like order. I realized that carnal people don't like order. They are affected by it. When you tell them, let's do things this way, they don't want because they so want to be free that they don't want to be controlled in any way. That's a mark of carnality. Let me tell you. You see, freedom is free, but no freedom is absolutely free. The moment you live a life of absolute freedom, you are in bondage to yourself. And that is the worst form of bondage. The worst form of bondage is not when you have been incarcerated in Sawan prison. No. It's not when you are in Kumasi Central prison. No. It is when you are imprisoned by yourself. Some people are imprisoned by their thoughts. They are not free. When you meet somebody, immediately now you must It's not like anybody is hunting after you, but you are in prison. You've imprisoned yourself. These guys didn't have this. Carnal Christians, they didn't respect time. When they are coming to church, they just come when they feel like coming. No order. They don't understand that service starts from this time and will close at this time. I need to be there to be part of worship. I need to be. They don't understand that at all. They just come to church when they want. They leave church when they like. They didn't have reverence for God at all. It's communion service. They won't wait for the pastor to come or it's a, a love feast. By the time you come, they, they've just eaten, scattered everywhere, spoiled everywhere, and they are gone. They say, do whatever you want to do. That is the church of Corinth. And these were believers. They were what? Now listen, if you are too quick to condemn, you'll be condemning the people Christ died for. They were believers. The thing about them is that they were carnal. They were fleshly. Two, they were babies. You see all of these things associated with babies? Where do you see this order? Almost every now and then, we have to tell Annabelle and she lay your bed. Lay your bed. Lay your bed. If at your age, as I'm looking at your faces now, you wake up, you don't lay your bed. It's a manifestation of carnality. And on that note, I have closed. I hope you have been blessed this morning. Pastor Afroqua has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarters church, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook pages, Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you. Mama, 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 mama,